Hey friends, welcome to Real Relationship Talk. I'm your host, Dana Shea. And today, you guys, I am so excited. I know that I say that every week, but really, guys, this week, I'm super excited to present to you this conversation with a couple that I have looked up to for a couple of years now. I've actually been following their podcast for quite some time. And let me just tell you a little bit about them before I tell you who they are. I first found out about Tony and Elisa DeLorenzo on an Apple podcast. I was searching for marriage advice and they popped up. I had no idea who they were, but the titles of some of their podcasts definitely got my attention. Titles like Coming Too Soon. Yeah, let that one sink in. Uh, There was also titles about different sexual positions. There were titles about how to fall back in love with your spouse and all kinds of things that just intrigued me, piqued my interest, because those are some of the very topics that I often talk about with the couples that I am privileged to serve. And so I began following their podcast and just fell in love with them. They are such an amazing couple. You can tell that they have a genuine love for each other. You can just tell that by listening to the way they talk to each other. And so let me tell you guys a little secret. I thought when I started my own podcast, there is no other couple that I would love to have than Tony and Elisa, but they have a lot more influence than me at this stage of the game. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to just reach out because like the Bible says, you have not because you ask not. And so I reached out, you guys, but honestly, I fully expected them to say no. I thought that I would get some kind of canned response like, thank you so much for your inquiry. However, we are too busy for you, small fry. And that's not what I got. You guys, when they responded yes, I literally almost fell out of my chair. I was so excited. And this just reminded me that we can never underestimate the value of our ask. I think about this in relationships. How often, you guys, in our relationships, do we not have the things that we want because we simply have not asked for them? Maybe you're in a marriage and you need more affection or more attention. Or maybe there's a friend that you want to get to know better, but you haven't actually asked to get to know that friend better. You haven't actually put yourself out there. Maybe it's because of a fear of rejection or some other fear. But one of the things that I want to leave you with before we even get into the conversation is that you have to ask for the things that you need. You know, it's so funny because in my own marriage, Sean and I are so totally different. So if we're in the room and it's really cold, he'll be like, oh, it's really cold in here. And he'll snuggle under the covers even more. And he'll be like, oh my gosh, it's so cold. Whew, can you believe how cold it is outside? And that somehow is supposed to translate to me to go downstairs and turn up the heat. But I'm a very direct person. So guess what? If you want the heat turned up, you need to say, hey, Dana, can you go turn the heat up? And I just think about so often, there are times that we are not getting what we need out of our relationships because we are assuming that the person that we're in relationship with knows our needs or our wants or our desires, and they should respond accordingly. And to be honest, you guys, sometimes they know and they're not responding because they're waiting for us to ask. So I'm so glad that I asked because had I not asked Tony and Elisa, they would not have had the opportunity to say yes And you would not have had the opportunity to listen to probably one of the best interviews that I have ever done. So in today's conversation, I talk with Tony and Elisa about several of the essential ingredients that every healthy marriage needs. They call these the pillars of every healthy marriage. I also talk to them about some of the challenges that they face in their own 24-year marriage and how they overcame those challenges. And we talk to disconnected couples. 
If you are in a marriage and you have been looking for some solid marriage advice, this is the interview that you want to listen to. So take a listen to my conversation with the extraordinary Tony and Elisa DeLorenzo of One Extraordinary Marriage. All right, Tony and Elisa, thank you so, so much for doing this interview with me. I've been so excited. I've actually told my podcast community, my social media community that I was having you guys on and I didn't tell them who you were. I just said that there is a guest couple coming on that I've been following for years that should have turned me down, but they said yes. And so I'm so excited to have you both. Thank you so much for being a part of this podcast today. Well, thank you for inviting us. Yeah. You know, don't ever sell yourself short, Yeah. you know, as far as putting those big asks out there to see, you know, who might say yes. Right. So we're happy to have done that. Well, I am definitely learning. So you guys, obviously you host the One Extraordinary Marriage podcast. And like I said, I've been following you for a while and I know that you've had your podcast for about 10 years now. Is that right? Yep. 10 and a half. So what made you start in this whole like marriage coaching industry? Why did you all decide to do this? Surely there is easier work that you could have chosen to do, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. That's, that's for sure. Well, I mean, the podcast itself came up from a place of, I mean, go back 10 and a half years ago, blogging was the big thing. And, and Elise and I had gone through an amazing experience in our own marriage where Coming up on year 11, we were actually looking at each other and going, what are we doing here? I mean, are we going to just stay together for the sake of the kids? Are we going to stay together? And then when the kids hit 18 or out of the house, we'll get a divorce then. Or, Hmm. you know, maybe we get a divorce now or we get radical and do something just radical in our marriage and and see what happens. Mm -hmm. And we decided to get radical. And through that experience, we came up to a point where we were giving a talk at our local church, mm-hmm. sharing about our experience. And what we did is we did a 60 days of sex challenge, mm-hmm. which we completed 40 out of 60. Okay. And people there were like, what? what the heck were you guys thinking? And we just shared the story just from a place of this is where our marriage was. This is where we are now. And we're excited to share with you guys. After that, people were like, what's next? What's next? And Elise and I looked at each other and said, what do you There's mean? Nothing what's next? <laughs> like I, we checked the box. We're good. Like, yeah, you know. we're happy with where we're at. I had another, I had a business. Elisa was running some stuff with the kiddos, her own like side hustles. Mm-hmm. And, um, but then blogging came around and I started looking into it and, and I said, Elisa, you know what? Why don't we just start sharing more? People ask for it. So let's just share. Blogging is tough. Mm-hmm. And we had a business coach and he just said, Hey, there's this thing called podcasting. Why don't you guys give it a shot? And I'm thinking, what are you talking about? What's podcasting? And he just goes, so it's like a radio show, but you get to do it from your own home and get to do your own thing. And so we ordered all the equipment and had somebody help us get it all set up because 10 and a half years ago was much different than it is today. Sure. And we just started talking behind our microphones and just sharing from the heart and wanting to just be a voice to couples that you know, wasn't out there. Mm-hmm. Everything was to me was older guys. And I just felt like it was time to speak to our folks. 
Yeah, yeah. First of all, I have to go back to the 60 days of sex challenge because I know some of our listeners are like, wait, 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 what? Like (laughs) you guys did 40 out of 60, which is more than what some people are doing all year, Mm -hmm. which is incredible. And, you know, you talk about you wanted to be a different voice. And I think that that's what originally drew me to you all. And I'm sure that has drawn a lot of your listeners to you all is that you all talk about the things in marriage that need to be talked about. Um, and you do it from a Christian perspective, but you're not, you're not afraid to go in there. Like look at, <laughs> look at at some of your titles, like, you know, coming too soon or female orgasms. Like you're not shying back from these really great, important conversations. Um, I, I actually recently had one of my good friends who's a sex therapist on the podcast. And, and we always, when we get together, we always go real deep, you know, into these conversations, because I think especially in the church, for whatever reason, a lot of people, a lot of Christians are afraid to talk about sex in this way. And so when I started listening to your podcast, I was like, praise the lamb, that there is someone who is willing to go there and actually give people practical advice, not just inspiration, but real practical advice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So 40 out of 60 days. I mean, you said it, most couples aren't having that in a year. We probably hadn't had that much sex in two years prior to that mm-hmm. point. So we totally understand. And, and so that's where we came out of it going, wow, this is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, because we've been really dysfunctional for a long time. You know, when we did that challenge, our kids were two and five. Mm-hmm. Um, so keep in mind, there were little kids not necessarily sleeping or needing mommy and, and that type of thing. And, and we were really in that place of just being roommates mm-hmm. and really thinking about, you know, what's our marriage going to hold? I mean, mm-hmm. We're going to just kind of run and bear it for the next, you know, the baby was two, eight or 16 years until she graduates from high school. And um, now that she's a freshman in high school, I'm like, Oh wow. Like that would have been really soon if that's what we've been holding on to. But, but we knew, we knew something had to change. Yeah. Right. The status quo was not working. and mm-hmm we were really dysfunctional in this place of sexual intimacy, but you know, what happened was, is that it wasn't just the sexual intimacy that shifted Mm -hmm. in that two month window. I mean, all of a sudden Tony and I were having conversations like we hadn't had, we probably had to go all the way back to our dating days Mm -hmm. to have conversation like that. And we were actually enjoying spending time together, which at that, in that season seemed absolutely revolutionary because we were just kind of like, eh, whatever you're here. Yeah. Um, And so we found that it wasn't just one area of our marriage that got impacted by giving our marriage attention. It was literally the whole thing. So would you say, though, that the sex was the catalyst for all the other areas to get worked on? I I would say that the sex was the catalyst because that was the idea that Tony presented. Okay. So in our marriage, it was the catalyst. I 100% believe because I've worked with couples now and individuals for the last eight years that giving any area of your marriage attention mm-hmm. can create a shift in our marriage. It happened to be that we led with the sexual intimacy mm-hmm. because that was, that was our most visible area of dysfunction. I gotcha. So Tony, you have a tagline on the show. I wish I could say it. Can you just say it for us the way that, that you say it, you say where being busy is overdone, overdone romancing is fun. Right. And then scheduling sex has taken the guesswork and I'm wondering when you're going to get some. Yeah. Yeah. So were you all scheduling sex during these 60 days or was it like all spontaneous? Oh, it was definitely scheduled at some point. I mean, to say it was spontaneous would be, I mean, maybe it 
once out of the 60 or the 40 times, maybe something was like, oh my goodness. And yet for the most part, yeah, it was scheduled knowing you're having sex every day, having a five and a two year old, we were just being very practical Mm -hmm. and knowing like, if we just leave this to win the likelihood it's going to happen, it isn't. So we were going to be intentional and take action around that area. And that was just something that we learned. I think earlier on, I mean, you're excited about it. Right. And yet after about 10 days in, as a guy, you're getting a little tired. You're sort of going, whoa, like, how are we going to continue on at this pace? And so I think that's where the conversation started coming up and going, okay, well, how are we going to do this? How do we make sure that there's enough time in between each session so that I can recuperate as just as much as you can recuperate? Mm -hmm. And so that began to to form in, in those days. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's such a good point because I would imagine that a lot of people who hear scheduling sex, the first thing they think of is, well, my goodness, you just killed the fun. You just took all the spontaneity out of it. So to hear you say that, you know, realistically, yeah, when you're a few days in, it kind of gets to become like, okay, how did you all keep it from being just another chore, another thing that you had on Mm -hmm. your to-do list? Such a great question. And and I think, you know, this pertains to whether you're doing a sex challenge or you're just being intentional about your sexual intimacy. I mean, you know, it's what does it look like to romance one another? How are you, how are you flirting? How are you communicating that your spouse is desired? What does that look like? How are you setting the stage in your bedroom? Mm -hmm. But your, your bedroom is this really dynamic living space, but if it's piled high and I'm so guilty of this right now because I'm envisioning our bedroom right now and there is a pile (laughs) in the corner. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you've got, you know, the pile, the the laundry is piled up and maybe you've got little kids. So you've got toys or baby stuff all over and, you know, there's stuff piled on the counters and on the dresser. And so it's not a place that you actually want to like really be in there and spend Mm -hmm. time with him. That can make it hard. So it's, what are you Mm -hmm. doing in all of these areas to bring creativity? And creativity could, for some couples, just simply mean, you know what? We're going to leave the lights on. Mm-hmm. Or, or yeah, we're that's get, bold for some people. For some oh, people, totally. that's bold. Or yeah. we're going to get, you know, we're going to put a, a nice blanket on the floor. And we're going to have sex off of our bed. That could be creative and spontaneous. Just that's to good. simply change those little things, which aren't so little, if you're mm-hmm. always doing it in the same way, or it, yeah. it feels really rigid. Yeah. I like that. So it's still planned. You still have a plan of action, but you use creativity within that plan. There's a framework of when we're going to have sex, Mm -hmm. everything else is up, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? So it it could be, there's a plan in terms of, Hey, we want to make sure now we have what we call the intimacy lifestyle where we have sex twice a week, Sunday, Mondays, and Tuesdays are my opportunity. One of those days is my opportunity to initiate sex with Talisa. And then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is her day. One of her days to initiate. So that's the framework. What happens then is up to us when we're initiating. If I want to initiate on Sunday, then I initiate on Sunday. Maybe Sunday morning, it may be Tuesday night. For her, it may be Wednesday afternoon. The kids are gone. It may be Friday night before we go out on a date night or something. And so that's where the spontaneity mm-hmm. and the 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 romance and the the fun comes in, mm-hmm. but we don't allow our sexual intimacy just to be on the whim like it used to be because then it's sort of like, you know, you got four kids, Dana. Sure, yeah. I mean, it's like, well, it's not on the calendar. We're tired. We're tired. All of a sudden you're a month down the road and you're going, 
I've been tired a lot this month and mm-hmm. we haven't connected sexually and you want to. So that's where we felt like, you know what, if we, if we do this, what could happen in our marriage? That's good. You know, I taught a class for wives and that was probably the, one of the areas that we spent a lot of time around is talking to wives about how and why it's so important to initiate sex. Because I think if you have women, there's a group of women that say, okay, we know sex is important to men. Okay, we get it. But then many women aren't initiating. So Tony, I want to ask you if Elisa were to initiate on one of her quote off days, that's a good thing for you, right? But like, as a man, did you feel like the only reason that she's initiating is it's because her day to initiate? Or were you just happy she was initiating at all? Well, let's put it this way. The first 11 years, I can probably count on one hand the amount, the amount of times Elisa initiated. Well, no, it should be two hands because you at least got your birthday. <laughs> okay, yes. I, I at least got that's my good. birthday. So we'll go two hands there. Um, so did it... I don't feel like it did for me because it was something that we decided upon together. Mm-hmm. So it'd be the same way. Would I, would she feel like I was just doing it because it was my days? And I think the bigger question we had to resolve was that I, I wanted Elisa to understand that me always pursuing and her rejecting was putting all the pressure on me 100% of the time. And I really had to always come to bat and then either hope and pray that she'd say yes, or I'd have to take the, the rejection. The rejection. Mm. And the conversation we really had in there is like, Elisa, got to understand you pursued me when we were dating. Mm. You, you showed affection towards me when we were dating. Now that we're married, why wouldn't you want to continue doing that? And I know lives have changed. I get you've had kids. We've gone through a lot in our, our time together and yet, if you don't pursue me, then we're never going to have this connection because it's always one way. And you're always going to feel like, oh, he's, it's just another thing on my to-do list. Mm-hmm. And it sort of started flipping the script a little bit. Mm-hmm. And we had to learn what does initiating even look like for one another now. Mm-hmm. And, and so it really caused us to have to engage each other emotionally, mm-hmm. um, sexually, recreationally. Like what? It, it, it really allowed us though to grow in that time yeah as well because we needed to talk about these topics that don't get discussed right yeah I think you bring up such a great point it's really about creating intimacy and I know that you all talk a lot about intimacy on your podcast and on your social media channels I know that you've just released a new ebook called the six pillars of intimacy. And so I wonder if you could tell our listeners, what are those six pillars? And my question, because I've actually read the ebook and I know you have an assessment online. It's such great info. Do you feel like of these six that you're going to tell us, are there one, is there one that's more important than the other or are they all weighed equally? So let me first tell you what the six are. Um, And the reason this all came about is because like when Tony and I were going through our struggles, you know, intimacy by and large was always defined as sexual intimacy, right? Mm -hmm. Like people would equate, if you said intimacy, people would think sex. Mm -hmm. And and what we found when we did our 60 days of sex challenge is that like we started developing this closeness or rediscovering this closeness in a lot of different areas of our marriage. Mm -hmm. And we started to see that that closeness was actually 
it was intimacy. It looked a little different in each one of these areas, but there was still a very unique closeness between Mm -hmm. husband and wife. Mm -hmm. And so as we define them, the six pillars of intimacy are your emotional intimacy, your physical, Mm -hmm. your recreational, your spiritual, your sexual, and your financial. So as you start to think through, you know, and even as your listeners are thinking through this, you're thinking, okay, what is that? What does that look like in our marriage? And that's why we, we wrote the ebook and we, um, we put the assessment together because people are like, you know, we've got this disconnect. We know something maybe feels off, right? but we can't quite put our finger on it. And as I've spent the last eight years coaching men, women, or yeah, men and women couples, I started to see, oh, the disconnect is really because some of these intimacies, these pillars aren't quite as strong as they need to be. Mm-hmm. And I do think the one intimacy that really can kind of be the linchpin for all because it impacts and, and it makes sense for me is the emotional intimacy, mm-hmm. right? Because that's your vulnerability. That's how you right. communicate. It doesn't matter if we're talking about what we're going to do on a date or how our finances are or what the faith conversations are. That all comes out of, can I trust mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. to be vulnerable and authentic? Yeah. So that it, that emotional intimacy really underlies but you want to have all of them strong, right? Very much like the pillars. The reason we refer to them as pillars is because if you can think of, if you can think of like the roof of your house, right? It needs to have all of the walls be at the same level. Sure. Yeah. Have all be strong for that roof to stand out. Well, if the roof equals your marriage, you want to have all the supports of your marriage as strong as they can be. Yeah, that's so good. You know, I know in my own marriage, when my husband and I, we have had um, a, a, you know, a very interesting journey as most couples, you know, you're going to have your highs and your lows. And I remember there was a low, a very low point in our marriage. And my husband said, you know, we're just not spending enough time doing fun things together. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'm sorry, our marriage is falling apart. You want to go have fun? You know, it didn't make sense to me. It didn't make sense because I'm a counseling girl. I'm like, no, we need to go sit on somebody's couch and we need somebody to hypnotize us so that we can get this marriage back on track. And I think that so many women, um, to be honest, I think that sometimes we will, will discount the need for us to be our husband's friend again. And Tony, you kind of alluded to this a little while ago. You said, you know, when we were dating, you pursued me and, and, mm-hmm. you know, you, you were my friend. I'm, I'm imagining, you know, I'm kind of putting words in your mouth a little bit, but I'm sure Lisa was your friend and you did fun things together. And so I love when I was going through these six pillars that I think the emotional intimacy is super important um, for the reasons that you listed. But I also think that we as women cannot discount how important it is for us to be our husband's friend and to do fun things with them. Absolutely. And it's also really important as women to understand that our husband's emotional intimacy doesn't look exactly like ours. Mm -hmm. They don't show up in the same way. God did not design them to be emotionally vulnerable in the same way that he designed us or how we interact with our girlfriends. And so it's understanding that what the emotional intimacy looks like and how men will be emotionally vulnerable Mm -hmm. is very different because what I heard as you were relaying that story from your husband, it's often much easier for a man to be emotionally vulnerable, to have the conversations with you when he is doing something. Mm -hmm. So the, so whereas, you know, a lot of women are like, okay, let's sit in front of the counselor. We're going to talk. We are going to talk this out. And he's like, Oh, (laughs) I don't want to but if you get him out and, you know, you're playing mini golf or you're, you know, going for a run or you're out just, you know, watching the stars or doing it, he's doing something. And that is a safer place than sitting down across from us, you know, as wives and going, okay, I want you 
to tell me exactly what's on your mind. Mm-hmm. I don't want to. I don't want. To. So we have. To, and I think it's just we want sometimes we want our men to act like our girlfriends, right? And God made them completely different. Yeah, so God true. gave us girlfriends and husbands. They're not so the same. True. And yeah. that and that just you know fills his recreational intimacy. Mm-hmm. Like that fun, that laughter, that's that recreational intimacy. That's you and him getting together, doing mm-hmm. something, moving, and not just sitting in your house with the kids. And that's all there's going, that's all that's happening. And mm-hmm. again, talking about maybe work, kids, laundry, he's going, let's, let's enjoy each other. Yeah. And in that moment, he can open up in his own way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder what advice would you give to a couple who are not on the same page spiritually. You know, like mm-hmm. I work with a lot of couples who the wife might be a Christian or husband is not, or maybe they are both believers, but one person's faith is is a lot stronger than the other. And that can be a real tension point in some marriages. So mm-hmm. if you have a couple like that, how can they build spiritual intimacy when they might not even be on the same page spiritually? Well, and I do think there are a lot of couples that aren't. Um, you know, I we have listeners all over the world. We hear stories literally of every combination of faith and whatnot. And again, it goes to creating a safe place to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. So often, whether we're talking about spiritual intimacy or any of the intimacies, the walls go up because it doesn't feel safe. So it's how can you express to your spouse? I I don't have to agree with you. Mm -hmm but I want to be able to share this with you. I want you to be able to listen to me mm-hmm. because that, you know, I mean, we've had seasons in our marriage where faith has been all over the place and not necessarily mm-hmm. in the same place at the same time. And, mm-hmm. you know, we still, and we didn't always get it right, but we still worked hard to create a space where we could hear and listen. Okay. You know, to hear, to hear really what those words were, but to listen for the feeling and to listen for what was behind what was being said and what were the struggles when it came to faith or even talking about faith. Mm-hmm. And then there also may be wounds from years ago that maybe haven't come up. So that's where, you know, coaching, counseling, those types of uh, scenarios become important because some, I mean, there's so, there's so many different levels of it too. I mean, we can talk about just going to church to, you know, leading with prayer every morning or, you know, tithing or giving. And, and sometimes couples can be totally on board together mm-hmm. and it's all good. And then something may happen that brings back a trauma, a, a time in a place where one of the, one or the other was hurt. And so that brings them back to that point and then they start to disconnect. Mm-hmm. And so I really do believe that in those times it is vital to have somebody in there to help both the individual and the couple to see what's happening. Because I think we get so much in our muck, we get fogged up and we can't really see it. Mm-hmm. And those wounds of the past really begin to just seep in mm-hmm. and we need to take those and, and begin to understand what the root is, what if the root is there. Oh, yeah. I love talking about root issues. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you know, you talked about couples being disconnected. And I think that for, for the couples that I at least am privileged to work with, that is probably 
one of the top questions that I get um, is how can we reconnect? Because so many couples feel so disconnected. And even as you were saying in the start of this podcast, even you all went through that. It was kind of like, hey, can we just grin and bear it to the end so these kids get out of here and then we can go our separate ways? Mm -hmm. So how do you advise a couple who maybe they feel totally disconnected or maybe they feel like they've fallen out of love? What is something that they can do right now to begin the journey of reconnecting? Well, the first, the first thing that I would say to that is that, you know, feeling in love or feeling like you want to, you know, make it work. Like all of the feeling type stuff, feelings are really fickle um, and and they can change on a whip. Mm -hmm. So let's stop waiting to feel like you want to do something and just actually start looking at what are those actions that I know are going to put our marriage down the path of reconciliation, of, recon- of reconnection. So the, the underlying piece there is that you have to take action. If you want to see your marriage turn around, you can't just, you know, be sitting there waiting for something to happen. It's okay. You know, to, to your point that we were talking about earlier, how can we spend time together? Mm-hmm. What's something that we can do? I, I often tell my clients, I'm like, what would a micro date look like? I'm like, it's something 30 minutes or less. Like go grab an ice cream cone, although with the heat we've had in San Diego this summer, that would probably be like a two minute date. But, <laughs> it would melt before you, but, but do something short it. because if you haven't been spending time together, it can feel really overwhelming yeah. to do a two, three hour date night to say, we're, yeah, to say we're going to go. So spend 30 minutes together. I like, that. um, I, I've got a couple I'm coaching right now and practically sexless for the last seven, eight years. Mm. And to the point where there's not even really any, there's that sexual intimacy and there's hardly any physical touch, Mm. physical intimacy. And and we were just having a session last night and I said, you know what? I I want you to make it a point. I was talking to the wife. I I want you to make it a point to find a reason to touch him at least once a day. Like it's, it's those types of baby steps instead of waiting for, you know, the, the jet to Paris and the rose petals on the bed and things like that. It's what can I do? And this was a hashtag we had years ago. What can I do to take us in one step in the direction we want to go? If we want to be that 50 year couple, what do I have to do today mm-hmm. to step towards the connection? That's good. That's good. Now you all have been married for 24 years. Is that October right? October 5th. October 5th. It'll be 24 years. Awesome. Awesome. Well, let me ask, I know that you've been through a lot and just as much as you feel comfortable, what would you say was the, what would you say was the most challenging time in your marriage and how did you overcome that? Mm. Most challenging time. I've I've had many. Um, Trying to think of which one. Which one do you want? Which one? (laughs) Yeah. Which one? Which one? You go first and then I'll, I'll share mine. Um, for me personally, the hardest time was after the death of our son, Andrew. Mm. Um, so we have a freshman in high school and we have a senior in high school and Andrew um, was delivered at 18 weeks in between those two kids. Mm. And um, it was two weeks before Christmas. Yep. And, you know, there was just a lot, like we had waited to tell my parents cause it was going to be their Christmas present. And Aww. instead of being able to tell them it was going to be their Christmas present, I was telling them I was going into the hospital because and they'd come into town. They were in town. Ta- I mean, it was just, yeah, they cu- they'd come into town to celebrate Christmas with us. And it was supposed to be this big, it was supposed to be this celebration big and we're spending days in hospitals and doctor's offices. And, and Tony's cousin had delivered twins, um, just, a week prior, yeah. a week prior to Andrew's death. 
And so there was just all of this crazy emotion. And, and I just didn't at the time have the support. Mm-hmm. Um, and nobody had told us back then that men and women grieve differently. Sure. I, I just knew that I was hurting. I had a two-year-old son who didn't understand why mommy was so sad. And, Tony, and my daddy was so angry. And Tony was so angry. And, yeah. and so we were in this place. And I just remember, you know, a couple months later, t- Tony's parents sent us away for Valentine's Day. And I was like, oh. Oh dear God, please do not let him try and touch me or, or do, like, I, I don't even, yeah. I would sit in the, in the restaurant at the resort and just look over his shoulder mm. because I couldn't, I couldn't make that bridge. Mm-hmm. Some of the most awkward oh. times in our and marriage. You, and Tony was really, really angry. And I was just really, really sad and depressed. And it was just, I mean, it's actually, I think a miracle that we even have our daughter because she was somehow conceived in that window. But like I was Tell it wasn't me. good sex, for yeah. sure. I mean, she was conceived, but his genetic wasn't good sex. Was it one of the scheduled ones? Or was no, it was definitely not scheduled. No, no, no. Okay. That was one of those like, wow, okay. Like we somehow, but it that was just happened. Yeah. That just happened. Wow. And we were happy. I mean, we wanted, a, we wanted a second child, and yet it wasn't one of those where we tried or knew. Yeah. yeah. So that, I would say that was that's a top one for me. Um, for the one that really hit me personally was when we went through the the great recession in, mm-hmm. you know, 07 to 12 or 08 to 2012 and, mm-hmm. and losing everything and having to sell everything off and borrow a car from a buddy, you know, an old beat up car and having to drive that around and mm-hmm. trying to make sure we could uh, just get food on the table. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that, that was a tough, that was really tough for me. I mean, I definitely wasn't um, feeling my best. I would say I was probably uh, depressed in many a ways now that I look back because I'd have my alarm set and it would take me, I don't know, five, six, 10 times for it to go off for me to get myself out of bed. And then even when I got out of bed, I was still just living in a fog mm-hmm. for years, it felt like. So, and, and interesting to say though, that's when, you know, 2010 is when we started the One Extraordinary Marriage Show. Wow. And, and I think it, help me to start getting out of that fog and just have some, some dreams again. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do it with Elisa, just even if it was once a week, we would just get behind our microphones and start talking. Mm-hmm. Cause that's about all we, that was probably the only time we did talk most weeks. Well, and to go back just a quick second, you know, you would ask the question a few minutes ago about what's one thing a couple can do to reconnect. Mm-hmm. We started having a conversation once a week. Mm-hmm. It was podcast. Mm-hmm. Wow. We didn't ever expect anybody to listen to our show. Okay. We didn't expect to be one of the top marriage podcasts. We didn't. All of the success of the show was never the intention of the show. Yeah. We just we needed to have a conversation, wow. and it was easy easier for us to do it if we had headphones on and there was a microphone in front of us. Wow. And we, we were just talking to it, you know, some anonymous people out there, like to each other, and to uh-huh. each other. But that that one intentional act for the last ten and a half years. Wow has single-handedly yeah. not just saved our marriage, but transformed our marriage. And yeah. so many I, other marriages along with it and yeah. so many other marriages. And I love that. I love, I was talking to someone today and I said so many times, you know, we get kind of like this tunnel vision into our own problems. And a lot of times we need to give the very thing that we want to receive. So you yeah. all, you know, needed that and you gave that. And now here we are 10 and a half years later with hundreds of thousands of couples that have been so blessed by your story, by your ministry, yeah. by your authenticity. 
And um, I'm just super grateful for you guys. And, you know, I know that you've had much success to this point, and I just can't wait to see all that is in store for you as you continue to bless so many of us over the airways. So thank you so much. Thank you, you, Dana. This was honestly just a treat. And to know that you're, you're launching off and and having been part of the one family for so long. Mm -hmm. um, It's just awesome to hear. And I just, I just pray like massive success over you. I really do just believe in for much success and and what you're going after, because if just by listening to us was just one of those little nudges for you to get moving, then it was well worth it. And so do know you have a couple here in San Diego pressing in for you, believing for you and and for all, all of your amazing community who's out there. You guys are truly blessed in amazing hands. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, you guys. Oh my God, I love them. I am so grateful that I was able to have that conversation with them today. What an amazing couple, seriously. You know, after we stopped recording, they shared some personal business advice with me that was gold. I mean, my goodness, when you find someone who's willing to share with you some part of their journey and help you, you need to hold those people dear. So thanks again, Tony and Elisa, for what you shared on our podcast today. I know that our community here on Real Relationship Talk is so grateful for you. If you're not already following them, be sure to visit their website at oneextraordinarymarriage.com. You can also, of course, subscribe to their podcast, which is also called One Extraordinary Marriage. Right now, they are promoting a free resource called Six Pillars of Intimacy, which we talked about on the episode. And along with the Six Pillars of Intimacy, there is an assessment that you can take to find out just how compatible you and your spouse are and ways that you can actually grow in your marriage. So be sure to check those resources out. For those of you who have been following Real Relationship Talk, many of you are sharing these podcast episodes. You're tagging me on social media. You're rating the podcast. Thank you so very much. I appreciate all of your support. I've said it before and I'll say it again. For a new podcast like mine, those ratings are absolute gold. So continue to share this information with couples who you feel like would benefit from it. But you guys, Real Relationship Talk is not only about couples and it's not only about marriage. I'm excited to release some episodes in the near future that are going to be for singles, that are going to be for parents. And we are going to talk about racial reconciliation because that is another one of my passions. So there's so many, so many, so many good things that I have in store for you. I am literally bursting with pride and joy and excitement and anticipation for all that this podcast is accomplishing and all that it is going to accomplish. Thanks so much to you. So that's it for today's episode. For more information about me, Dana Shea, or to find out about my relationship coaching, speaking engagement, some of the things that I've been able to write, be sure to visit me on my website at danashea.com. I'll see you guys on the next episode. Have a great week. Toodaloo. Hey everybody, I'm Dale. And I'm Tamara. We're hosts of the Kainos Project podcast. Where we help you tackle ancient Christian truths in everyday settings. To learn more and subscribe, go to lifeaudio.com.